Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For depression during pregnancy is not always picked up on. You can feel low. There can be the, I suppose, what they call the baby blues, or you know, you can't. You, you're, you're adjusting, so it's normal to feel tearful and all of those things and not quite yourself but I think if somebody is not feeling okay in themselves whether it's normal or expected that they should be able to have support that they shouldn't just have to kind of pull their socks up and wait for it to pass for some people they that is their attitude they do just want to wait for it to pass but sometimes it doesn't pass and you know is it how long are you going to say what are people going to say to you well oh this is just what it is and it's like well actually it's for you to determine how you want it to be of course you have to be realistic you're going to be sleep deprived and you know there might be physical health issues and you might be uncomfortable and all of those things but actually what do you want it to be you don't have to just accept that oh feeling down quite a lot of the time is just what motherhood is like that's not what you want so I think it's important for people to really think about well, what do they want and trying to move towards that. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Oriana Onabanjo. Is that correct? Tried my best. I think I kind of butchered it. <laughs> no, not quite. Oriayo. 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 Yeah. Sorry, yeah. the silent N. You told me that before we started recording, so I'm sorry. But I am delighted. No <laughs> delighted to have you here and wanted to talk about everything you were up to in the perinatal mm. wellness and perinatal mental health space. And just to really get down to the basics of why this is important. And I think sometimes why it may be um, not focused on. I think sometimes it can be lost in the wider conversation of when we're thinking about wellness and thinking about, I don't know, everything. I think sometimes it can get, be get um, sorry, I think it can get left behind. So when mm. just to have a moment where we can just talk everything on the subject and just try and maybe shed some light, maybe uh, debunk some myths. Mm. So you're specialising in perinatal mental health. Yeah. And for anybody that doesn't know, can you just explain the basics of what perinatal mental health is? Sure, sure. So um, perinatal mental health ultimately pertains to uh, mental health during perinatal period. So that's during... Um, well, really from preconception, um, so when somebody starts thinking about wanting to have a baby, um, to being pregnant, to uh, the birth and then the postnatal period, um, up until a year or two, um, although, you know, some people feel that they're, they are still in the postnatal period and postpartum period for many years after that. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. I know that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, but, you know, officially it's it's up to a year or two after birth. Um, so, you know, in terms of mental health, it's ultimately like, you know, when we think of mental health, there's so many different mental health conditions that are named um, out there. And anyone, any of those mental health conditions can be experienced during the perinatal 
period as well so it's just focusing on um that period in a person's life okay um and yeah their their emotional um well-being yeah and if we start with preconception with you being a specialist is there anything now that we can share with women who are thinking about starting their pregnancy journey thinking about wanting to yeah, I suppose start this journey. Anything that you can share with, I don't know, anything that we could prepare, think about? Mm. I suppose almost like, you know, before you get married, you can mm. have conversations to really prepare and think. Yeah. I think it would be useful to have these sort of conversations when preparing to bring a life into this world and all that means. So is, is there anything that we could talk about and this is obviously for any women whatever your situation is whether you are single where you whether you're with partner but just maybe some fundamental things that we could be thinking about at this mm. stage yeah no definitely i think there's definitely some things you can do to start to prepare your mind i suppose um i guess one thing i would say is just to just to reflect on what your own um ideas are about motherhood um or parenthood what it means to be a parent what it means to be a mother um and just get to know a little bit like well when you think about motherhood what like what comes what comes to mind because sometimes there can be really unrealistic expectations about that what that means i mean you know there's the super mum myth as well there's this <laughs> i know that idealized... one yeah. <laughs> yeah there's this idealization of mothers and what motherhood is um, so I think, yeah, just get to know what your expectations and because then you can then, I suppose, once you've kind of got them clear in your mind, then you might begin to unpick and think, actually, yeah, that's a bit unrealistic or is that actually based on reality? Or is, that, is this just what I imagine based on what people have said or what I see on TV? Yeah, um, I think that's a really good yeah. question. I think we can bring so much baggage with us mm. and and most of the time, obviously, we're unaware of this. And mm. just that simple question of what does motherhood mean to you, to really sit down and think about it, could bring up so many different things for people. Mm. And um, I do not think we take it seriously enough going into it. You know, it's so easy to create a baby, um, mm. but it almost feels like you should have to have a test and, and have a sit down and really think about what it means because it's, such a responsibility and I'm not sure what well, I I didn't think about it before I started mm. I knew I always wanted children but I don't think you really think about the full weight of it I mean I'm not sure you can ever yeah. truly understand it but I definitely yeah. could put more thought into it yeah yeah I think and I think many people don't really necessarily think about it because it's sort of like it's you know well for many people unless they already know that they don't want children it's kind of like the natural order of things isn't it that you know at some point you'll have a child um and that that's just not that's what people do but i think it is important to think to think about it um to be honest and i don't think there's any you know shame or anything necessarily bad or negative about not having thought about it so um you know for people who may not have done and wish that they had because many people don't but i think if you know you're at the beginning of the journey um it is important to just think about it and also you know what 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 would being a mother means mm. as well and just thinking about that in terms of the implications of that and that's not to scare yourself or but it's it's so that you can prepare be prepared to meet reality Absolutely. and to, to 
to live in reality. And I think uh, another thing I would say is also get to know a realistic picture of what motherhood actually is. Yeah. Um, and, and that can take a little bit of digging and a little bit of um, research and having honest conversations with people who are willing to have those those conversations. Because I think there's a lot, there's a lot of glamour, um, glamorization yeah. after having a, you know, having a baby. And of course, there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of um, richness in that. But it, but it, it's still life it's and life has life. its ups yeah. and its downs and yeah. you know it, it could be a bit of a, you know I kind of see life as a paradox because good things and bad things coexist at the same time and you know like you know life is fluid but I, and I would say that's the same thing for motherhood as well so I think it's about getting a realistic expectation one that's not polarized so like you know far into the sky fantasy land but one that's not like super completely focus on all the negative things or all the difficult things about it but it's about having a balanced understanding of that um it's, it's probably the two things i would say i think would be worth would be worth doing yeah and i suppose having this conversation if you are with partner with your partner mm. and if you're going mm. into this on your own with your support network with your village just yeah. really talk honestly and obviously having that conversation is still quite difficult you've got to have somebody who's going to be vulnerable and honest with you to have the conversation yeah. in the first place but I think yeah. maybe just asking the questions um and and having a think and a write down or a whatever you however you express um would mm. be good and then for when you're physically pregnant so we've conceived and are there any, again, any different thoughts or questions we could be asking ourselves or any other ways that we could be preparing mentally whilst, whilst actually pregnant? And, and then maybe does this change as you get more pregnant? Does it change in different trimesters? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, again, what, what I would say, so since, you know, this is focused on mental health, I would just note... Um, if you and again this might be somebody who's already been pregnant before and is pregnant again or it might be their first pregnancy but um i would just say note what kind of just be familiar with your own sort of like mental health and well-being and just kind of check in with how you're feeling and also you know because if if you've struggled with mental health conditions before mental health difficulties before there is a there is an elevated risk of experiencing them yeah. um during the perinatal period it's not to say that you definitely will um, but it is there is a higher risk that there's a higher risk of that happening although there's some people who've never experienced mental health difficulties before and then experience that during pregnancy or or the postnatal period but I would say just be just be aware of your own mental health and you know what your kind of like triggers are what kind of are the signs when you know your mental health is starting to, to deteriorate yeah as well um, and just kind of getting to know what resources are out there to support your mental health even if you're feeling absolutely fine and hopefully you will feel fine for the for the rest of your pregnancy but the thing is I think it's just about being prepared and not just being focused on the baby and having the baby yeah but actually the process of becoming a mother and you know entering into this new relationship with this new person and what all of that will mean for your whole life um as well so I think yeah, just think about your mental health. Um, also, there might be things that you've done in the past that have helped when you're, um, somebody's mental health may have struggled, whether that's just in the past or in a previous pregnancy, and kind of like trying to introduce those things 
um, the things that help. You know, it's also really good. I think it's also really good if you can, you know, kind of um, seek out or develop a, a good support network. And I know not everybody has that luxury, but if you if you do and you're able to, I think it is so so important to find um, your village. So I think that that's really important. I think just to check in and to keep checking in with how you're feeling and not just to kind of put it down to, oh well, I'm pregnant, so of course I feel like this. Or and this is what I was just about to ask. I think mm. in TV, entertainment, media, we're shown these like really hormonal women and everything's really up and down. So mm. is there any mental health issues that may be missed because women will just put it down to, oh, I must be hormonal whilst mm. pregnant? Mm. Like, do, do things get, I don't know, misdiagnosed or just uh, not taken as seriously or... Maybe would mums just not, I don't know, not report anything because they just put it down to mm. I'm just feeling this is this is what pregnancy must look like or must feel like. Mm. I think I think for some people, yes, I think definitely. And I've definitely heard stories and people have told me, you know, um, where they've kind of maybe gone to the GP and kind of said and it was just kind of like, oh, you know, you'll feel better in a bit, you know it's just this is just how it is that kind of thing this is really common and you know it's just because something's common doesn't mean that you don't need extra support with it um is what i would say but i think it can get i think sometimes depression is not always um so postnatal for depression or you know for depression during pregnancy is not always um picked up on because you you can feel low there can be the i suppose what they call the baby blues or you know you can't you, you're, you're adjusting so it's normal to feel tearful and all of those things are not quite yourself but I think even for me I, I, I guess the way I think about it is like I'm not really interested in diagnosis for diagnosis sake because I just think like if somebody is not feeling okay in themselves whether it's normal or expected that they should be able to have support that they shouldn't just have to kind of pull their socks up and wait for it to pass because you know it's it's normal or this is the standard thing like for some people they that is their attitude they do just want to wait for it to pass but sometimes it doesn't pass and you know is it, how long are you going to say what are people going to say to you well oh this is just what it is and it's like well actually it's for you to determine how you want it to be of course you have to be realistic you're going to be sleep deprived and you might you know there might be physical health issues and you might be uncomfortable and all of those things but actually what do you want it to be you don't have to just accept that oh feeling down quite a lot of the time is just what motherhood is like. That's not what you want. So I think it, it, it's important for people to really think about, well, what do they want? And trying to move towards that as totally. much as possible, yeah. rather than just going with the, going with the kind of narrative of what, what it is like. So I do think, I think things like birth trauma also gets um, misdiagnosed. Often that's misdiagnosed as depression, actually, because often people will feel depressed after they've experienced something that's traumatic. And so that's not always um, picked up as the core, the core issue. So um, yeah, yeah definitely for some people, especially if it's mild to moderate, then you don't know is this just normal adjustment difficulties. But I think when it's more severe, then it's more clear. But I think, you know, the mild to moderate people experiencing mild to moderate difficulties, they they deserve to get support and help as well, and not dismiss themselves because it's just mild. What you're saying, I think, is difficult in general. <laughs> like to know your normal to know mm. what you need and to mm. be able to say that out loud and say actually this is not how I want this to go I think that's hard enough in day-to-day -day life mm. 
let alone being pregnant. So I think that would be a beautiful thing for us all to be able to connect to what we really want, mm. be able to ask for it and stand behind it. I mean, I think that is a general rule in life. Um, I can just imagine how difficult that is in general and even more difficult when, like you said, you're pregnant, this could be your first child, you're putting sleep deprivation on top of that, you're maybe just not feeling yourself, your body changing, all of those things make it really, really difficult to ask for help or even just to, to flag that there is something going on because you're in it. Mm, mm, yes, yeah, that's, that's so true. I think it is, I think it can be really difficult. Definitely. And, you know, I think well, what might help with that is, and, and again, this isn't necessarily something that people would do naturally or think to do, but creating spaces as much as is possible or when you can for kind of just reflect like self-reflection or whether, and that could be just going for a walk by yourself, or that could be, you know, doing some a mindfulness practice or something like that, or that could be talking to a friend. But I think it's like getting used to the idea of the importance of checking in with yourself. That's right really from nice. The start. And, and really trying to prioritize that. You almost want to put it into your diary somehow just to make yourself mm. protect that time to do it, to check in, because it's yes. so easy to get sidetracked with everything else and all the different hats we wear and, you know, your busy, busy, full life. It's it's hard to remember, then especially, you know, if you're pregnant on top of that. That's a really, mm. really good idea just to get used to it in the first place and then it gets easier, obviously, if you're still doing that while you're pregnant. So all of these things we're talking about are difficult in general. It, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Is there anything on top of this as black mothers and black women that we are facing? Mm. I think, yeah, there's definitely an extra, um, an extra layer of um, difficulty because I feel often, I mean, this is my perspective, but I feel often there's already a, this, this idea or this narrative that we don't seek help or we're difficult to reach and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And I think, and I think a lot of black women, a lot of black mothers know that that narrative is out there. Yeah. And I think that even that can be a barrier because, you know, you don't know what you're going to meet. You don't know what sort of perception other people are going to have on you. And they might not have any sort of perception at all that's negative, but you don't know that. But I think there's, there's, a, there's a number of unhelpful narratives around um black women and black mothers and obviously we know about the the strong black woman yeah of course um, we don't feel any pain i mean that's yeah that's medically true though isn't it technically we don't feel that we feel less pain right no i don't believe it is medically i, I, I'm I mean joking. i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> it's just so so often you're thinking well god yes. do i not feel pain can i not i must be a strong black woman no i know yeah. i mean with with the narrative of we don't feel pain with we're also hard to reach i mean there's literally mm. no help is there i mean that is so much stacked against you that yeah. i can see being a pessimist why would you ask for help yeah well exactly exactly and um and the thing is we know that um black people are um, overrepresented in the mental health system as well and we make up a very you know technically a very small percentage of the whole you know British population for example so you know what's going on there so and but the thing is, is that we're overrepresented when it's on the on the real severe the severe end 
so when it's like things have gotten really bad that's when oh you know where all of a sudden you can access us or we you know you, you can reach us and it's like what's happening yeah. what's happening before before that so I think those I just think those narratives they just don't they don't help but I'm not I'm not going to say those are the only narratives that are out there because I think also for some people depending on what sort of cultural background that they come from there are also narratives around um you know I'm you know I'm Nigerian um so I can only speak from that perspective but this idea of oh what parent you know men mental health issues while you're pregnant or during the postnatal period like what's that like you know because right. having a baby and getting married and having a baby is so it's so expected it's not it's, it's kind of like true. why would you struggle with that and I'm not saying everybody has that mindset I don't think people have that mindset so much now but in the older generation some of the older generation that is the kind of attitude so I, then you make makes you think well is there even space to say I'm struggling I'm finding this hard because actually there's this gift and how can I struggle with a gift um so I think we also need to kind of unpack a little bit our own cultural norms and also not just what your culture is in terms of your your ethnicity or what country you're from but also thinking a little bit about and um, what is the culture in your family as well or how you grew up what was what was the kind of the messages that were sent around emotional expression or right. expressing your distress as well because it's not just what's going out going on on a sort of a societal or organizational level it's also what's going on on a cultural level but also within your you know immediate of family course. network and if and if if all of those layers are kind of stacked against you and the message is there's no there's no space for you to speak about this it becomes yeah. very 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 difficult I think of, for some people yeah not all people but for some people and I suppose if the older generation and the generation before that, obviously, they had their own struggles. They were working mm. with the best that they had. But as these children, we're watching how they deal with conflict, how they mm. have conversations um, around asking for help. Um, mm. And obviously, that's been modeled to us. And that's how we now ask for help and work out well, I suppose how we're working out our kind of uh, emotional intelligence and mm. how we're measuring all of this. And it's really, really hard if you haven't been, if you haven't always been yeah. shown a healthy version of this. That's, that's yeah. tricky. Yeah, com completely. I think if you've not been exposed to it, it's so hard, um, you know, to, to, to go against the grain and do something, do something different. It's so hard. Um, and it's just, you know, within that, I think, again, and again, this does come down to creating time to reflect and people you can have reflective conversations with is also, you know, being able to, I suppose, begin to decipher what is your threshold for asking for help in general as That's well. That's a good question. Like, yeah. What, at what point, when a situation is difficult for you, do you then ask for help? Because that will give you an indication as to how likely you are if you don't sort of think about things intentionally to maybe ask for help if you're finding things you're finding things difficult and that ability to ask for help is so important but also I, when i say that i also think but you know the people you know because that that narrative of, oh you know ask for help ask for help reach reach out reach out but sometimes i think but the, the 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 people who are saying reach out and ask for help are they safe people to reach out to are they safe people to ask for help so that's that's on the i suppose the responsibility of the person 
to ask for that help, but it's all, it's not just about them. It's also about the systems and the organizations and the people surrounding that person to be able to hear that request for help as well. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, there's so much going on. I suppose, obviously, if you muster up the courage to ask for help, to be vulnerable, mm. and you ask the wrong person or the wrong system yeah. or the wrong agency, yeah, mm. then, you know, you could crawl back and never ask again. So yeah. if, if we have friends, families, sisters who are struggling or, or who we think may be struggling or us by these senses of tingling, is there ever any good way to to broach the subject of how is your mental health? Is there is there an is there any magical sentence? <laughs> I wish there was a magical sentence, but <laughs> I don't think there is. Um, I think it's just I mean use your own words, but I think it's ultimately it's it's not even about the magical sentence. It's more about what kind of what kind of space can you create for that person like yes you can ask questions like how are you doing oh the person might say they're fine you can say well how are you doing really or you can ask more specific questions like you know on a day-to-day basis do you feel like you're doing okay or have you noticed any difference or any change but then you know some people might not think to have to ask those type of questions i know it's easy for me to say that because i'm 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 trained to you know do therapy so i would ask those types of questions so i think it's just about checking in and communicating to that person that like i actually am genuinely interested in how you're feeling i'm not just asking because this is what we do yeah i think that's really really nice and i think what you just said about creating the space that's really nice and like you said really checking in but but actually with your chest and backing it up because we can say these things performatively mm. um, or because we think we should or because we think it makes us a nice person, but to really <laughs> yeah. ask. But you know what I mean? You can do it politely. Yeah, you yeah. not really want to know yeah, the answer. Yeah. So exactly. if, if yeah. you're really there for your friend or your loved one, you can ask and, and actually mean it. And I suppose that's when it will land and you'll yeah. see the difference. Yeah, completely. And I think also just to add, it's also how you ask. I mean, like, okay, if you're seeing somebody in person, like, you know, when somebody's talking to you, you're having a conversation with them, but you feel like they're distracted or they're not really focused on you. Like, it's also your body language. It's also like, I, you know, I know when I've been asked, how am I? And I know it's just a standard question. Whereas maybe a really close friend, like, are really asking me, like, asking me the same thing, how am I? But I can see the 
not concern, but the interest or potentially the concern in their eyes or, you know, they're really focused. It's about having that like sort of embodying a sense of attentiveness that yes. makes people feel like, oh, okay, this is, this is a safe place I could share. Yeah. I could because, share, but they're actually here. Yeah. Present. Because you're making people safe. You're making people safe, making people feel safe subconsciously and consciously so they feel yeah. in a space where they can open up and share. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. understand. I understand. And, and there's many layers that goes into that. I mean, I suppose that's how kids, that's how kids learn, how kids um, mm. take in information. I, I've always thought that because I can see the confusion. You know, when you lie to a child, as mm. in you kind of do what you might think of as a white lie, say, no, 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 mommy's fine. And they can see by your body language and your voice that everything isn't fine, but you're kind yeah. of saying, no, no, it is. And you kind of have that manic smile, kind of manic energy, like, no, no, it's fine, it's okay, it's fine, it's fine. Um, I, uh, when I, if that happens with my kids, I always see them and, and I can mm. see them kind of twitch and think, this is confusing. And I catch myself. Mm. Basically, I understand what you're saying. I think, I think it's really, really meaning it. And I think um, often we don't do that. And, and what's tricky, I suppose, is finding those few people that mm. can do that for you. And this is probably going to be a handful of people under five. It's not going to be, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe who you think it, as many people as you think it would be. Yeah, no, often it's, it's not that many people, actually, because I don't think... I don't think that many people actually have the skills or really understand how it means what what it means to actually present themselves as a safe safe an emotionally safe space to other people because perhaps they've not experienced that they've not had that that's not part of their really their vocabulary to know how to do that but yeah. um and that's yeah, back to the modeling and all the things we we're talking about in your childhood mm -hmm. and what you've seen your parents exactly. do and your elders do exactly yeah. it's a fresh exactly. time isn't it for us like in the community mm -hmm as a black community mm. and also probably as black women, just the, the spaces we're holding now, it, yeah. it's new, isn't it? And there's going to be a lot of it resistance. Is. Definitely. But, no, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it feels like obviously it's changing. It's all progression, but it is definitely fresh. And there's a, mm. a big uh, battle between some of our previous learnings to what we're all kind of understanding now. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. really useful, just trying to, create a safe space and, and um, really, I suppose what you're saying is really show up for your friends and your loved ones, for people that you mm. feel maybe are not struggling, but you're just trying to be there if they, so they know that they have a safe space in you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And from, from our systems, from the pregnancy process through our professionals, medical health professionals, um, healthcare assistants, everybody that we're going to meet on the way. Is there anything that we can be asking of them on the journey of just, I don't know, being in our safest, most comfortableest space? Anything that we, I don't know, is there a checklist that we should be asking? Um, I mean, I think, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I think it's, it's kind of, I, I mean, I'm going to be saying what, is, what I think has already been said many, many times before, but I think it, it's really, it's about listening. And I know it might sound simple, but actually it's quite difficult. A lot of people find it quite difficult to do that. Um, 
I think it's about listening and that's not just listening to what the person is saying, but is listening to kind of what they're saying, what they might not be saying, how, you know, listening to their body language as well. Um, I think, I think it's about listening and I think it's about creating space to be honest. And I think it is about treating that person, you know, I, I don't know what the right word is, but like respecting the autonomy of that person as well. And it's about having an attitude of facilitation rather than dictation as to this is how it's going to be or this is what I think you should do or, you know, and I'm not saying all, all, all um, you know, healthcare professionals are not like that. There are many who are very facilitative in their, in their approach to the care that they give. But then, you know, too many people also feel like that sense of agency or autonomy can be very much sort of compromised when they go through the maternity system or, you know, give birth or in, during the postnatal period. So listen try to embody compassion and have a facilitative approach where treat that person like you're on yes you you've got the expert knowledge about whatever it might be but they're the expert in their experience and Mm. to not devalue that actually because that has a lot of value because however this person experiences the care or their pregnancy their birth you know the patient's period that will they'll carry that they'll be left with that, whether then it is traumatic and then they have to work through that or whatever. But it's kind of like, what what seeds are you planting for this person, in this person, in, in terms of how you interact with them? Yeah. Um, Again, that's a lot of... I think it's something to be a lot aware of, of. It's a lot of... It's a big role, isn't it? It's, mm. a, lot, it's a lot of pressure. Not a lot of pressure. Mm. It's, a, it's a powerful role that these people hold. It is. It is a powerful role, yeah. It is a power, and I think it's about being aware of that power. And actually, humility is such an important thing. Yeah, yeah. Hard. It's hard to do. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not hard. Yeah. But I think, I think, I think, I think it's also really important. So being being humble in your approach, and that is respecting that person as a whole person, not just as a patient who's got this problem or whatever it's kind of just 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 kind of being aware of the whole person that's sitting in front of you and that might involve you kind of thinking a little bit about or going to know a little about where they're coming from as yeah. well and I know that there's limitations of time and all of these things but I suppose it's like sometimes I don't know if this makes sense but it's sometimes it's like not relating to them as kind of like a chopped up version of themselves where it's like you're only seeing them now in this moment and only treating them like that but it's like trying to keep in mind that this is a whole person with their own experiences and all of this and of course we know that in theory but that doesn't always come across in practice in practice as well yeah and that's what it needs to and that's when obviously we're getting all this resistance and these negative experiences but it's really asking a lot of that professional like Mm. i mean is there more training or kind of more holistic training that needs to be done because what you're describing Mm. to me sounds outside of their technical remit Mm. like like what you're saying to me sound sounds awesome I'd I'd like to treat everybody like that I'd like to have in my day-to-day life conversations like that as a whole person to another Mm. whole person I just think to do that you're asking 
a lot. And I think sometimes we get the bare minimum, don't we? Especially if you're stressed out, underpaid, overworked, all these things that Mm. we know people Mm. are battling. Um, Yeah. But it just, yeah, what you're saying sounds amazing. I'm just wondering how realistic it is. Yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah, well, I mean, I, well, I, I, you know, I'd like to, I, I'd like to believe that it is possible, but I think, I think it's, I think it's more possible than people might think it is. And so I I do want to be realistic. And when I say that, I'm not, you know, of course, it's not going to turn into this utopian system (laughs) or anything like that. It, It can't because it's human beings that are running it and we're flawed. But I do think, but I still feel like there needs to be we as professionals who work in the space we need to challenge ourselves to do better it can't be it can't be enough to say well you know it's 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 outside of and i'm not saying some people necessarily people will say this but that might be unconsciously what somebody might think that this is outside my remit remit to do that and i don't think it should be i don't think it should be i think it it should be prioritized i think it should be fundamentally within your remit yeah oh my goodness that would be an absolute game changer yeah and and the the effect of that the effect of 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 that compassion in the role would make these women have such a different experience which would then obviously filter out to the wider circles of life you know it would of course yeah yeah right it would it would make a difference everywhere it it, it would, it would, it would, there would, I believe there would be a ripple effect. And, you know, for That's me, cool. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like, I mean, there is training and people are doing training. Like, say, for example, I know Make Birth Better. I don't know if you've heard of them, but um, they do birth trauma training. So that's specifically around birth, obviously. That's not about around necessarily pregnancy or the postnatal period, although some people can experience their pregnancies as quite traumatic. But there is, there is birth trauma training out there. You can educate yourself, trust can educate their staff because we're, you know it's not as if these trusts are not doing training you know are not training their staff in other things there might be more technical or more to do with the cl- their clinical practice mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it is about prioritizing that you know and again this might sound really utopian because I don't work in a maternity hospital so I don't know what it's like to be a midwife or an obstetrician or, or a neonatal and so I don't know what it's like but I almost feel like I don't know perhaps maybe in the training there needs to be an element of counseling skills taught i agree Maybe if there isn't even if there isn't already or extra um, training in counseling schools because you're dealing with people at the most i guess joyous but also vulnerable and sometimes the most difficult yeah. moments of their of their lives and how can that it needs the space that they come into needs to be therapeutic you don't need to be a therapist to create a therapeutic space mm. so to me, counseling, counseling schools training, I think that should be mandatory. I um, agree. Birth yeah. trauma training, that yeah. should be man- mandatory and reflective. I mean, I, I think a lot of um, trusts and things, they do reflective practice and thinking about supervision, but I don't know how much of that is focused on the emotional significance of the job and yeah. the emotional you know, significance of the experience of the people that they're caring for. I don't know how much, I can't really speak on that, but yeah. I, I think that needs to be amplified more more what's the felt sense of of that person working in this space you know what's what's being what's being generated emotionally because there is an emotional atmosphere in these places as well and often people will feel like it is the atmosphere interpersonally often and also their environment 
that can lead them to maybe end up having a traumatic experience or actually it was the care and the kindness and the support that made them able to deal with a really difficult situation that helped you know but then what you know but but to speak to your point about being sort of being overworked underpaid all of that stuff that's also a very real problem yeah as well and when your resources are low it's hard to be compassionate oh my god you know? of, course so it, it is. of course of course yeah i mean i agree i couldn't agree with i i couldn't agree more with everything you're saying i fundamentally agree and i just wonder like you said obviously staff are getting trained obviously there's budgets there for certain training is it just a matter of prioritizing what's important and mm. where the compassion the therapeutic approach comes on that tally like it's just yeah you know if it's not a priority it's not a priority because you've got to get through x amount you know whatever on your that you've got to, to with your spend but yeah it yeah. feels like there could be there could be a different approach couldn't there I think I think there could be, and I think for some people, it's genuinely it is really difficult, and they're doing their best. But I think there's some people who could be doing better, and they're not necessarily doing their best because, and and that's not because I have any sort of facts or figures about this, but this is just based on what I understand about human human beings. And there'll be those who are really trying to do their best, and there'll be those who aren't necessarily because you hear about uh, you know professionals who don't you know don't have a very good bedside manner. But they're yeah. very, very gifted in their in their in their, their their practice. Yeah, you know, and it's like, well, it's not it's not acceptable to not have a good bedside manner. So, like, even when you know thinking about recruitment and who's being, you know, taken on board for different jobs and all of this stuff, is that is that being assessed? Is the bedside manner being assessed? Is the interpersonal skills being assessed, or is that kind of like mm, they need to have this, this, and this, but? the interpersonal stuff is nice to have. And it may not be framed that way on the per person specification or the job description, but is that where is that where it sits in the mind of the people who are interviewing? It's like, well, the main thing is they need to do the job, like the physical practice. And then that's and that's a nice to have. And again, I, I again I'm I'm very aware that I'm not embedded in these systems. So I don't I can't I can't speak to the nuances of it. But I'm just asked, I, I suppose I'm just posing these questions as a potential challenge as well to whoever who might, you might listen to it and maybe that is something that gets them to think differently about things because I think even when maternal health and all of these things are talked about often I feel like mental health professionals are absent from some of these conversations yeah and I yeah. think well where is you know even something like having mental health support psychological support on a neonatal unit not every neonatal unit will have a psychologist attached to that or a therapist attached to that as in that works in the actual system they might have people they signpost out to but to me that's like how can this wild not have that yeah it's wild i i, I don't understand like, again that's what i mean what are the priorities what's the actual mm. bottom line and yeah what are the priorities at the point of hiring and when you're working out your staff like what what's the jigsaw that makes up the team it, yeah, it, it exactly. feels like i wonder if it could be looked at again that's yeah, really, yeah. really interesting. Really interesting. To to anyone listening that is just struggling right now in any part of their pregnancy journey, what can we say to these women? I think 
what 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 I could say is how you feel and your experience matters. Like it really, really matters. I think is the first thing that I'd want to say because I think just I'm just talking from you know mums and um, that I've worked with and things. There can be this real diminishing or sense of yeah diminishing of their their experience and how they feel and feeling that they just need to get on with it and dismissal of how they're what they're experiencing or the difficulty that they're experiencing for a multitude of different reasons and I, so I just really want to get that message across that how you feel and what you are experiencing no matter what um box it might be put into or how it might be interpreted by other people or not it does matter i think that's like your experience valid that Um, that's the word i was looking for it's valid you can feel like you said so dismissed i think that that is it that you're that you've been heard it's valid and it it's real exactly so real so real it doesn't have to fit with diagnostic criteria or the threshold for ptsd or whatever it might be it doesn't need to fit that it's about you and it's about your experience and you know and I, I think another thing I would add is like there are I know there might not it might not seem like there's many people out there but there are people who genuinely care mm. about hearing about your experiences and your stories I I am obviously one of them hence <laughs> why I work in this field but like there are there are people who are genuinely interested to take the time to hear what you have to say and it is about finding them and obviously you know you can you know get therapy through your gp or you can you know find somebody privately or you know there are there are different routes but just do what do what you need to do to make to make yourself heard um because sometimes you can you can try and seek help and like we said earlier then you don't really get a very good response you think oh okay fine then it's like no like you matter this matters this is about your life it's about the life of your family your child and you want to I think it's also this time can be a time to sort of like lay healthy foundations as well of what you want to build on so it, it, it isn't insignificant at all it isn't just oh well this is what motherhood is it doesn't have to be um so that's what that's what I'd say yeah I I, I just want you to say that to me in my normal life just day to day because it, it's just it's it's really powerful isn't it just to just to hear that you matter, you're worthy, mm-hmm. you're valid, your your pain or your fears or your worries are real, and um, mm. and it matters. That that's that's the big thing. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so yeah, much. It's been for, great to speak to you. Yeah, just for sharing all your expertise, and um, you make it sound all possible. You know, and I think that I hope great. I hope it is. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it is. I think I think we all have to hope it is, because then what's the point? Dope black mums. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm hmm. 